HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Cutting the Curd has been brought to you by Academy Opus Cassius. The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training in the heart of France. For more information, visit academy-mons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-M-O-N-S.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. This is your host, Greg Blaze. Today I'm very lucky to have um, Cutting the Curd founder, overlord, chairperson, and um, you know, uh, general directorial capacity lady, Anne Sachs will be in the booth with me today. Hello, Greg. It's good to be here. <laughs> we love it when you're here. Today's episode is all about raw milk cheese. <clears throat> in order, in honor of Raw Milk Cheese Appreciation Day on Saturday, April eighteenth, which is this Saturday. And um, on the line, I have a couple of special guests to talk about this topic. I have Jeannie Carpenter of the Cheese Underground blog. How are you, Jeannie? Very good. Thank you. And I have Brad Jones, Program Director of the Cheese of Choice Coalition, the organization spearheading Raw Milk Cheese Appreciation Day. Thanks for coming to the show, Brad. Thanks for having me, Greg. It's my pleasure. So, uh, Brad, we're going to start with you, and I wanted to want you to tell us a little bit about the Cheese of Choice Coalition. Um, what is the history of that organization, and how did Raw Milk Cheese Appreciation Day come to be? Sure, 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 sure Greg. Well, I'm happy to. The, uh, the Cheese of Choice Coalition is a, is a nonprofit advocacy and education organization that supports artisan raw milk and traditional cheese. Um, the program is relatively new as of as last summer, actually, but it was, it was originally founded in 1999. Um, as many in this community will know, um, at, at that time there was a great deal of uh, regulatory uncertainty in the U.S. regarding the future of raw milk cheese. You know, well, were they going to ban raw milk cheese outright? Were they going to amend the 60-day aging rule? If so, what would it be, 90 days, 120 days? 
um, it, it seemed to many that there was an unjustified uh, full-court press on a, on a style of cheese that's been produced and, and, quite frankly, proven safe, both intuitively and scientifically, for, uh, for 100 years, even more. Um, so, so, that, so in 1999, yeah, uh, a group of prominent individuals in the cheese community came together with the idea of just really rallying support of raw milk cheese. And they, they outspokenly advocated for the right to produce it, to sell it, to, to consume it. Um, the original iteration of the Cheese of Choice Coalition was a partnership between the American Cheese Society, Old Ways, um, the Cheese Importers Association of America, and also Whole Foods Market. And it was uh, spearheaded by Kathy Strange of Whole Foods and Ruth Floyd, the NACS president, and Deborah Dickerson, and, and the late Daphne Zeppos. Um, and then Kathy Ruth and, and Sarah Bayerson of Old Ways um, kind of remain at the helm today. But uh, Those are some heavy-hitting gals, man. <laughs> yeah. That's right, yeah. No, I mean, these are people that have supported raw milk and traditional cheese for a long time and continue to do so today. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, in 1999 and in early 2000s, after a lot of general drum beating um, over several years, uh, things were more or less successful, and, and in a, large, a lot of that had to do with creating a unified front and, and just making sure their voices were heard. So, and, uh, oh, I mean, plus the fact that, um, you know, the, the data just didn't really validate in any way justify a ban on raw milk cheese. So, um, so they kind of died out, but... Uh, but uh, that brings us to today, and yeah, and as of last summer, um, the summer of 2014, um, it was it was becoming increasingly cons- uh, clear that these uh, that these concerns really weren't going away after all, and and certainly not in their entirety. Um, so, uh, so well, even someone's if, even always trying moment, to poop an, on our uh, parade, an imminent threat they? per se to raw milk cheese, um, it's uh, the regulatory uncertainties most certainly persist. And uh, it's really not so far-fetched, especially with the kind of recklessness we saw out of the Woodboard aging fiasco last summer. Um, so, uh, so this past summer, summer the, um, the original partners got together and said, hey, you know, we need another voice in this fight. We need, we need another sign of strength, of, uh, of solidarity, uh, of general support, and, uh, and try to get back to beating that drum. So, so that's what we're trying to do, Greg. Um, uh, the Cheese of Choice Coalition exists to support artisan raw milk and and traditional cheese. And so, Raw Milk Appreciation Day uh, is this the first uh, the first one then, or was there one last year? No, this is this is the very first one. This is the inaugural. This is so exciting. Well, that makes me feel better because I was like, if there have been many of these and I didn't know about it, I feel like a real jerk. But I'm getting no, no, fired. Many if more I don't to come, though. This. Yeah, <laughs> I'm firing myself. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about what you guys have planned for the first Raw Milk Appreciation Day? Where can people? What kind of events are planned? How can people find sure. out about them? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as you as you mentioned, Greg, um, Raw Milk Cheese Appreciation Day is going to be taking place this upcoming Saturday on April 18th, um, and it is an international celebration of raw milk cheese, um, designed to to highlight not just you know the glorious cheese itself, but uh, but all the fine folks who who make it and sell it and serve it, all of you guys. So, um, so yeah, there are going to be events taking place uh, across the United States, but but also internationally at hundreds of now hundreds, yeah, of producers, retailers, restaurants, uh, four continents and 13 countries. So it's, uh, it's, it's super exciting. But uh, most of the engagement is going to be targeted sampling of raw milk cheese at retail stores, um, but also there's going to be local cheesemakers coming by to taste out and talk about their product. Um, 
There'll be there'll be classes planned, pairing events, uh, open creamery tours, discounts. Um, There's yeah, lots of stuff going plates. on. Uh, it's, it's all it's all super exciting. And, and Italy, um, we're going to have a list on the on the Cheese of Choice Coalition website. If uh, people are interested in what's going on in their neck of the woods, um, that would be a, a great place to start. Now we're going to do some stuff at Italy, both in New York and in Chicago. We have a raw milk uh, cheese appreciation class set up. Um, we've got some demos going on from raw milk cheese producers in Chicago, uh, you know, and there's going to be me. They're just going to unclothe me and uh, <laughs> have me run around in La Piazza um, and with only a wedge of cheese taped to my groin. So that I can, uh, if that doesn't get it done, I don't know what's going to get it done. Don't miss, don't miss <laughs> the, the running of the naked cheese man in the Piazza Italy this Saturday. It's a new tradition, Greg. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Um, well, also we would, you know, we were hoping you could kind of tell us about your background in cheese and how you got to be attached to this to this organization. You know, of the Deborah Dickersons and the late Daphne Zeposes of the world. Uh. Oh man, I, I claim I claim no true uh, uh, level of, of those amazing people who have just done so much for 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 cheese and, and the artisan cheese community in the United States for the last ah, decades. But uh, nah, uh, man, for, you for can't me, think like that. You're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> well, well, thanks. Um, uh, but for me, I mean, it's 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 one of those things. I think people just kind of fall into cheese, right? So that long and winding road that, that leads you straight to here. Um, I, uh, I I moved out to Boston in 2011 actually to get a degree in, in food studies, and I was coming from Indiana, which isn't exactly a, a gourmet mecca, and uh, certainly not in terms of cheese. Uh, you know, craft singles and Velveeta and cheese whiz is, is good cheese. Although you know, of course now now I understand the Capriole and Jacobson and Bridgeford and all these other great folks are making yeah. wonderful cheese there. But uh, but I did, I, was, I didn't know that then. And then I, I moved out to Italy for a little while and, and learned about great cheese. And then and then when I moved to Boston, uh, I was looking for a job to go to go along with the the gastronomy, the food studies program, and I got a job at Formaggio Kitchen which is uh, an absolutely fabulous cheese counter where, uh, you know, honestly, it's a surprising number of people in the cheese industry kind of get their start there. It's really kind yeah, of Formaggio really has the lockdown on people who work in Boston and live in Boston. I mean, they, they are a far-reaching organization that has put many, many folks out in the cheese world, you know. They've been doing their thing for a long, long time. Yeah, no, no, it's it's phenomenal. But um, I think part of it is, is it's hard not to uh, kind of fall in love with cheese when you're around it all day, every day. When you're surrounded by those mountains of, uh, you know, Conte and, and Parmigiano Reggiano, um, it's really hard not to be super passionate about it. Totally. Um, See, I wasn't yeah. good enough to work at Formaggio. I had to work at Savinor's, you know, and uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, in my my parallel existence in the cheese world. You know, Sav- uh, Savinor's has a great cheese uh, cheese counter for sure. Yeah, <laughs> increasingly so, actually. But uh, but uh, but yeah. So I mean, I think behind the cheese counter, I kind of fell in love with cheese and really enjoyed just sharing these stories and these kind of labors of love with uh, labors of love with customers and kind of getting them fired up about cheese too. And you know, the regulations and advocacy advocacy stuff kind of came later on. But uh, you know, as I became more knowledgeable about the challenges that the industry was facing, but uh, but yeah, I think I've I've, I've been an advocate since uh, at least a you know big proponent of artisan and raw milk and traditional cheese since day one. 
Now, can I ask you a question? Um, I I know that, uh, and, and if you don't feel comfortable speaking to it, that's fine too, but um, can you talk a little bit about the climate now with uh, raw milk cheese and regulation and what the FDA is up to at the moment? Um, I know that, uh, you know, there was kind of a pilot sampling program that was taking place for different cheeses and, um, uh, you know, as much as you'd be willing to share your knowledge on that uh, topic would be great. No, 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 of course, yeah. Um, the pilot sampling program is is interesting. It's been going on for the last uh, year and a half and um, or something like that now, and um, it's taking place at retailers and producers and, and at customs. You know, it's really kind of across the industry, but what's happening is, is you know, you know, the FDA is coming in and, 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 and taking cheese, and, you know, it's kind of anxious for a lot of the people that are, you know, in the cheese community right now, which is, again, one of the logics to why this Raw Milk Cheese Appreciation Day uh, was so timely for it to, you know, to be starting this year is, you know, let's, let's, let's promote raw milk cheese. Let's talk about it in a positive light. Um, I mean, personally, and I think as an organization, too, I think everybody is really, um, you know, we think that the pilot testing program is a good thing. You know, I think at the end of the day what's going to happen is they're going to find that, that raw milk cheese just really isn't um, something that needs to be taking a lot of their time because it's going to, sh- uh, you know, show to be healthy and, and hygienic and safe. It isn't going to be, so. you know, proven to be the deadly menace that, you know. <laughs> I certainly don't is. think so, you know. I certainly <laughs> don't think so. I think they'd have to be uh, making some numbers up for that to be the case. But Did you, uh, did you find it but, difficult for people to participate in, uh, in Raw Milk Cheese Appreciation Day? Were people willing to get involved? Oh, people were so excited. People have been so enthusiastic. My job over the last several months has been absolutely amazing because I just get to get on the line with people and say, hey, you know, we're doing this thing. We're trying to rally support for raw milk cheese. We want you to do, you know, we want you to basically show off all the amazing cheeses you carry or all the amazing cheeses you produce and all the amazing cheeses you import or whatever. And so um, people are like, uh, yeah, I can get behind that. <laughs> no problem. So, so yeah, we have hundreds, hundreds of producers and retailers and, and restaurants all across the country and the, and the world. That's awesome. Well, you know, we have another guest on the line. Jeannie, how are you? What's going on? We we were hoping you would talk a little bit about your blog and, um, you know, maybe talk a little bit about the Wisconsin cheesemakers and, you know, and the cheese shops that are participating in Raw Milk Appreciation Day. I just... Uh, read your post about Mareki, who I re- interviewed last week, who is just like a phenomenal human being who <laughs> makes wonderful uh, raw milk cheese. So maybe, um, Jeannie, you could talk a little bit about your blog and, you know, uh, what Wisconsin cheesemakers and cheese shops are participating in uh, Raw Milk Cheese Appreciation Day. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I've been writing a, a blog called Cheese Underground since 2006. And I started writing it when I was uh, um, a public information officer for the Department of Agriculture. And I started writing it anonymously because, you know, when you're a spokesperson, you're not allowed to actually have your own opinion on anything. Um, but uh, after I left the Department of Ag, I put my name on it, and I've been writing it ever since. And, and it's interesting because in anticipation of this, this program today, I look, was going back to my blog, and um, on July 15, 2009, I wrote an, an article about raw milk cheese in Wisconsin. And, you know, that was six years ago. And I, it, it's interesting that we're, we're still sort of fighting all of the same issues <laughs> that we were uh, six years ago. Um, it, it's interesting. In Wisconsin, so we have about 25 cheesemakers in the state making raw milk cheeses. 
And those are mostly uh, artisan and farmstead companies. They're on the smaller to medium size. And um, three of those, actually three of the past six U.S. Championship Cheese Contest winners have been raw milk cheeses from Wisconsin. So um, I, I, think, awesome. I think Wisconsin, yeah, yeah, Wisconsin's got it going on with, with raw milk cheese. <laughs> That's fantastic. Absolutely. And um, so uh, do you feel like um, there's more of a movement? I know Wisconsin's an interesting state because there's such a history of kind of, you know, I I feel like the history of Wisconsin cheese up until maybe the past 15, 20 years was more of like a larger scale production, more, you know, quasi-industrial. And so do you think there's more of a movement towards raw milk cheese? And are you seeing new raw milk cheese makers sort of popping up in the state? I would say yes. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of the new cheesemakers that we see coming online are, first of all, women, and they are second or third career type folks, and they are usually milking sheep or goats. Um, those are kind of, those, that's kind of the growth trend in Wisconsin right now, and I would agree with you, definitely in the last 10 years, we have, um, very actually successfully transitioned from a from a high production commodity state to more of a specialty cheese state. You know, we we still don't get me wrong. We still make a lot of commodity cheddar and mozzarella because everybody's got to eat pizza, right? Um, <laughs> you got a lot but, of milk out there, <laughs> right? Yep. But but really, the folks sort of putting Wisconsin in the limelight these days are you know the, the Marika Gouda, the Pleasant Ridge Reserve. The, yeah. the Avalon goat cheese. You know, these are all farmstead artisan cheesemakers. Um, and that's, that's really, I think, you're seeing the future of, of how Wisconsin is going right there. Well, I was just thinking about something. So an interesting, you know, you mentioned Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I feel like one of the most uh, sort of bold moves that I've seen in terms of, you know, raw milk and the regulatory climate and everything was the fact that Andy Hatch decided not to produce Rush Creek Reserve last year. Um, for the holidays, um, you know, do you think that, um, I don't know, do you think that other cheesemakers might follow suit and kind of, you know, back off of making certain types of cheeses or err more on the side of, you know, making harder aged cheeses that are less uh, subject to scrutiny? Or do you have an opinion about that? You know, I, I, unfortunately, I do. I, I think that might be the way that we're headed. When, um, you know, when Andy decided not to make Rush Creek Reserve, Back in August of last year, I, I talked to him, and um, you know he wanted to make sure that people knew that this was his choice. The FDA hadn't told him he couldn't do it. You know he hadn't been you know cited for anything. It was really his choice because there was so much, and still is uncertainty over how the FDA is going to um, regulate raw milk cheeses. And at that time, I I kind of deemed it as. Um, Rush Creek Reserve, the demise of Rush Creek Reserve is as the canary in the coal mine. Because, you know, Rush Creek Reserve is, is just this amazing raw milk cheese that took Andy Hatch, you know, who was a, um, a best in show American Cheese Society cheesemaker. It took him a couple years to perfect to make it, to get it to 60 See? days without, you know, completely falling apart. Um, and I just, I just, I've always held that cheese up as like, you know, the amazing raw milk American cheese that can compete with the great European raw milk cheeses, right? And to have that, you know, be taken away from us is, it's just really, it's, 
it, it makes us frustrated and angry. And so See, many people have said to me, "What what do we do? Do we sign a petition? You know, do we do we send Andy? You know, um, support letters?" <laughs> um, so what it did is, and and Brad mentioned before, you know, the the wooden board issue between the wooden board issue and the raw milk issue, and you know, Rush Creek Reserve not being made. There is very much this groundswell of consumer interest in raw milk cheeses, and they want to do something. And that's why I'm so excited about this Raw Milk Cheese Appreciation Day is because we're giving consumers the chance to have a voice. So you have to chime in about Rush Creek Reserve. Andy's a good friend of mine, and I know how much toil he put into into making that cheese, and I just think he's a brilliant guy because he he – he didn't make the cheese um, for many reasons, in my opinion, and uh, <laughs> and I I feel like it'll come back. I think it was more of a political statement. I believe that it might have been on a touch. You know what I mean? Because that was a that was a that's a difficult thing to make. Do you know what I mean? And even when when there weren't or when the screws weren't as tight a couple of years ago or when they were all asleep at the wheel at the FDA or whatever the hell it is that they do there. Um, I mean, all the good things that they do there. I'm sorry. I promised, I promised I wouldn't, I would be nice. Um, um, you know, and uh, it just, I had a feeling he might not make it that year. You know, I, I, I did. Um, but I think it's, uh, I think that I agree with you, you know, that that, that's such a visible cheese, and Andy is such a visible cheese maker. Um, Uplands, um, when Andy, you were speaking of, uh, you know, some some cheese makers in Wisconsin that sort of uh, are maybe changing the way cheese is made in Wisconsin by certain people. I mean, Uplands and and Mike Gingrich, uh, prior to Andy, uh, you know, those guys really started that whole thing in a certain way. In my opinion, and maybe Jeannie, you could agree or disagree with me on that. But um, yeah, I was bummed out when that didn't come. I mean, maybe I got one in the mail. I'm not gonna say, but you know. hey, <laughs> and I'm hoping that cheese comes back. That used to be my holiday centerpiece. Every time when I was a cheesemonger, every time uh, you know, as the holidays come around, you get you get, we get to take home one big chunk of cheese, whatever you want, right? And so there's all these great cheeses all across the board that you can choose from, but. Uh, but every year is for me. Rush Creek Reserve, no, you know, no but, doubt about it. Just pop off the top, um, have some, you know, some fresh bread right beside, and and you got you got yourself a delicious meal right there. But why is Jasper Hill not stopping to make Winamere in the same way? Yeah, I think. Well, uh, can I chime in? Yeah, I feel please. like you know they. I, I feel like you know Jasper Hill is an interesting, uh, you know, player in this uh, in this whole sort of situation that we're in. And um, they, I feel like more so than other cheesemakers, are really, maybe not more so, but to, I guess I have to be careful here, but to like a greater extent than most cheesemakers are able, are putting some serious effort into a lot of testing right at their facility. Um, they've built, I know they've built a lab at the cellars, um, and they're doing a lot of sampling of um, milk, of cheese, Absolutely. of their environment. And so I feel like, you know, maybe with that as kind of like some bedrock, you know, knowing that they're doing all that testing when it's not called for right now and they're developing their own database of what's in their milk and what's in their environment and just really keeping tabs and making sure everything's above board all the time. 
Maybe that makes the cheesemaker feel more secure about producing a cheese. And maybe what you're like talking Lemire. about is the is the danger of a farmstead cheese, raw milk cheesemaker, you know, not being able to put their product out there for fear of all of these bad things not happening, as opposed to artisan makers like like the Jasper Hill, you know, who buy their milk from other sources and bring it into their wonderful facility and make it. They, you know, they, they, they just might have a leg up, you know? Right, right. And I'm not sure if Windermere yeah. is made with their milk or with purchased milk. I'm, I'm not. I know that they make certain cheeses only with their milk yeah. and others with milk that they purchase. But I feel like, you know, the more the, – I'm, I'm hopeful about a, a couple things. I, I mean, I'm hopeful about things like what's going on at Jasper Hill – um, and just kind of more testing in general, because I feel like a lot of this raw milk sort of paranoia is based on the lack of scientific data Absolutely. that points in conclusively in one direction or another. And so it's very easy to just make, uh, you know, make a, an enemy out of raw milk when you don't know enough about it. So um, I'm hopeful that, you know, that this FDA pilot testing program and that folks like Jasper Hill and all the other great cheesemakers who have their cheeses and milk and facilities, you know, tested regularly um, and have samples taken, you know, that that will eventually lead to a body of evidence that, you know, declares raw milk innocent <laughs> in a way. Absolutely. You guys agree with that? Uh, absolutely, Greg. Absolutely, Greg. Um, I think that the self-regulation uh, that, that Jasper Hill is doing specifically, it kind of gives them a sort of like courage of conviction uh, of the fact that they're holding themselves to the absolute highest standards, higher standards than even is required of them because they know that's what it's going to take in order to consistently produce, you know, uh, a raw milk product uh, of the absolute highest quality. I mean, uh, of all the cheesemakers in the United States, uh, you know, Jasper Hill Farm is, is certainly up there as far as being recognized for their raw milk um, cheese products. I mean, speaking of Winamere, it, it won the American Cheese Society Best in Show last year, right? Um, you know, I mean, that's a pretty, and then, and then Bailey Hazen just this year won uh, that great award for being the best raw milk cheese in the world or yes. whatever. So it goes to show that the kind of self-regulation that really holding themselves to that, that highest standard, uh, pays off at the end of the day. Yeah. The, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just playing devil, devil's advocate and asking questions because I feel like their quality control over the last two or three years, um, has like exponentially Grown just as a purchaser on a retail level of all of their cheese, um, I I I just was wondering. I just thought it was an interesting point because you know Andy stopped making the Rush Creek, but Windermere is still out there. You know, so there's still hope. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> well, to keep uh, to ask everyone a silly question. Um, I mean, I guess Brad, you've already maybe answered it, but um, a favorite raw milk cheese. Does, every, does, does anyone, I mean, I know and it's hard to say favorite, but if, if you had to point to one exceptional raw milk cheese that you, that you think everyone should know about out there, Jeannie, does anything come to mind? Um, well, I suppose I should pick somebody from Wisconsin since I live here, but... Um, <laughs> Damn straight, you better. <laughs> my, you know, my all-time favorite raw milk cheese is still um, Comte from France. You know, it, it's... A smart um, woman it's, you it's are. Of, yeah, I mean, it, it's... When I first got into the cheese um, business, you know, I tasted that cheese, and I was like, okay, you know, cool. But then once you start, you know, reading the history and reading the make practices, and especially, you know, I, I at uh, Metcalf's Market, I bring in the Essex, the Marcel Petit Comte, and it's just it's just one of those cheeses that makes you happy, you know. it's There's nothing, there's nothing like it. It's true. 
There's nothing like it. I agree. <laughs> I hate to reiterate, but I mean, for, for me too, my, my favorite uh, raw milk cheese is, is certainly Comte as well. Um, but, I, but I think that's also one of the reasons, and, and I'll go ahead and cite one of uh, your Wisconsin cheesemakers that we've been talking about, just Uplands Dairy. I mean, Pleasant Ridge Reserve kind of made in that same alpine style with those, like, the hard, crystalline, nutty uh, flavor profiles um, as, as the Comte has, and for the same reason, just, just absolutely delicious with, you know, with the, the highest quality, um, the, you, know, you know, the best production practices available you know just just absolutely being in total i mean andy hatch is just a total monk about it i mean he just he just he does everything to the highest standard of perfection that he can do and and it shows in the, in the quality of that cheese i feel for me i don't know i guess if I, i'll go i'll go for a twofer as well uh, the for me the raw milk cheeses of like the raw milk goat cheeses of like the loire, the loire. valley and poitou regions <laughs> of france are like you know they're just like make me so 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 happy can't it's like hard to put it into words um but a raw milk cheese that i've really been enjoying from around here lately is um the humble herdsman from parish hill creamery um i think that that cheese is pretty exceptional uh and the fact that it's made from raw milk and then the cultures are you know their own sort of proprietary house propagated cultures adds a level of kind of nuance and complexity that for me is just really exciting cheap Essex, Essex, uh, Conte, you know, when you visit the fortress, like Essex Conte for me is like breathing, you know, it's, <laughs> it's transcended cheese for me. I, 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 I visited the fortress. I talked, Jason Hines is one of my good, my good buddies and, uh, just the agricultural circle, the, 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 like, just like the circle of life as cliche as that sounds that that cheese and everything that it is supports, I think is wonderful. And it's almost unfair for me to say that it's my favorite cheese because it might be my favorite food. I think I lived off of a block of like, I had like a 12 pound block of it when I worked for Essex because I had no money. Uh, but I did have cheese, which was a better currency than money. Um, <laughs> So outside of that, for me, um, I love I love Vacheron, um, true Vacheron when I can get it, and it's so it's so fleeting and wonderful, um, and it tastes like the woods around my house, and it and, you know it reminds me of when I was a little kid, and uh, you know I was less vulgar and uh, more pure, and things were looking up for me, but um, my favorite favorite raw milk cheese my favorite if, if you held a gun to my head would always be um Artie Gasna cheese uh Pyrenees cheese oh wow those mm -hmm. boss shepherds beat. I mean those dudes and gals they know what the hell they're doing down there man they 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 just do and that that fudgy texture and consistency and wonderfulness and its appeal to all palates is good for me but amen amen Greg <laughs> um well, Jeannie, I wanted to, to talk just a little bit about your blog. We're going to have to go on a break. We go super long, which I love. I just want to force all other shows off the radio and just keep talking <laughs> about cheese. But we're going to go into a break. But I wanted to um, – you know, I, you recently uh, wrote on your blog about Mariki Penterman, and I interviewed her. And I and I wanted um, you to tell us what, what, that, what that was like to speak to her. And uh, because she spoke to us about her participate uh, her participation in the festivities um, going on with raw milk cheese, um, raw milk cheese appreciation day uh, next week. So, what was it like to talk to her? 
Um, you know, I've, I've known Marika for a long time, and she's a really, really good cheese baker. Um, but what I didn't know, or maybe what I didn't know the extent of was, is what an awesome mom she is. And um, that's what I wanted to write about her. I, you know, they, she and her husband, Rolf, built this brand-new facility um, just this this year um, with a new uh, cheese-making facility and and farm where you can watch the cows being milked, watch the, the cheese being made. But upstairs, this is a this is a two um, two level facility. Upstairs, she has the most amazing place built for her five children to come um, off the bus every day and to do homework. And they each have their own stool, and it's color coded. And she's bringing in um, a high school student three days a week to help them with homework because um, all moms out there will know that once your kid reaches about fourth grade, you can no longer help them with math. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's past our, our you know, I'm, I'm an English I might cut myself off at second grade. I don't know, after times tables, <laughs> that might be it for me. See, my mom was a math teacher, and uh, oh. yeah, it sucked, okay? Uh, <laughs> but but anyway, no, go on, please. Oh no! Well, I was just it, um, and I was just really I was I was really excited for her to show me sort of that that more intimate level of of this new family dairy where the the upstairs is really dedicated to keeping the family together, you know, after school and um, and and it's also surrounded by all these family photos of her as a little girl in Holland. Um, and pictures of her grandmother milking cows. And so it helps you remember the, the folks who came before us and, you know, the journeys that they, that they have experienced and the roads they've paved. And um, it just, it's, it's a great place, great way to honor um, sort of the great cheesemakers that are in our time right now and the ones that have come before us. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And with that, we will go into a little break. And when we come back, we will continue talking to Brad and Jeannie about raw milk cheese. You are listening to Kill Me in the Summertime by Dead Stars. This is Cutting the Curve on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. 
I'm here with Ann Saxelby, the wonderful Ann Saxelby. <laughs> Hello, and, Greg. <laughs> and we're talking to our two guests about raw milk cheese, Brad Jones of the Cheese of Choice Coalition and Jeannie Carpenter, cheesemonger and blogger of the Cheese Underground. I think the Cheese of Choice Coalition uh, website summarizes the issues around raw milk cheese real nice with three points. Raw milk cheese has the most flavor, it's healthier for you, and when made well and cleanly, it's very safe to eat. So I just want to know, Brad, what, you know, the nuts and bolts, why is raw milk cheese important? Like just cut through, you know, the Cheese of Choice Coalition. Just tell me why we need raw milk cheese. Oh, that's that's good, Greg. Um, yeah, no, you know, raw milk cheese is super important. Um, you, I guess you guys had uh, Marika on last week, and I think she suggested she really kind of emphasized the health component, the uh, the nutritional reasons, and you know, like the, the healthy vitamins and minerals that are present in raw milk that that do uh, have shown to be otherwise damaged by heat treatment. Um, and she, I think she also talked about probiotics and, and cholesterol. And I think everyone has different reasons for loving raw milk cheese. You know, maybe it, it reminds them of a, I don't know, a gooey camembert they had in, in Normandy, right, um, as Anne said. And, uh, or maybe it's, they want to support um, rural economies. Maybe they want to keep people on the land, and, and value-adding dairying is such a great way to do that. Um, I think for me, though, personally, it's, it's really three things, uh, and not exactly the same three that you mentioned, but, but really taste, tradition, and at the end of the day, choice. Um, you know, I mean, raw milk cheese are, are, are just absolutely delicious. You know, they're full flavor. They ripen fully. Uh, it's just really incomparable. Um, you know, they got that terroir component, that, that true taste of place that, that comes through from those, those microbial ecologies that are, you know, leg- legitimately derived from the place in which they're born. Um, so, you know, I mean, this is something that we've intuitively known for, for, for you know, as long as anybody's been eating and loving raw milk cheese, but it, it's cool that but actually now that uh, there's a lot of rigorous science uh, supporting the fact that this is actually the case. Um, but, yeah, so, but also tradition. I mean, there's a thousand years of more uh, of history between behind raw milk cheese making. Um, before 1930, there, uh, you know, almost no cheeses were pasteurized. I mean, it wasn't even called raw milk cheese. It was just cheese, you know. Um, and and as, we, as we've been saying, many of the, the most classic, most famous cheeses in the world are, are required to be made with raw milk in, in order to earn their PDO status. You know, I'm thinking of Conte, I'm thinking of Le Gruyere, I'm thinking of Parmigiano-Reggiano, I'm thinking of Roquefort. Um, you know, I mean, there's a reason that they're required to be made with raw milk, and it's, it's about protecting the quality and tradition of the product. Um, but, but finally, it's also about choice. At the end of the day, it's also about choice. It's about having the option. You know, to choose your cheese of choice, that's where our name comes from. You know, whether those of us who understand and and believe in the importance and deliciousness of raw milk cheese will will have the opportunity to continue to make them, the the opportunity to to continue to eat them, you know, without having to fly to France. And and Jeannie, what about you? What is raw milk cheese to you? Why Why is raw milk cheese so important? Um, well, for me, it's 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 about it's about the taste more than anything because whenever I you know if I teach a class about cheese, I talk about cheese, I always make sure people have cheese in their mouth because you can talk about cheese all day long, but the minute that you taste it, it 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 changes everything, right? Um, and you know one one of my favorite quotes was um, from a, a friend in France who, who spent about a year in Wisconsin studying um, Wisconsin raw milk cheeses. And um, I just looked this up, and, and this is what he said. 
She said, you don't eat cheese because you are hungry. You eat it for the pleasure. Mm. Um, and I, awesome. I think that really sums up why we, why we all want the, the chance and the choice to eat raw milk cheese. Beautifully said. Yeah, that's fantastic. Gosh darn it. You two are good. <laughs> <laughs> we need you to come back every week. Um, and uh, so you're going to have to schedule us in uh, Monday. <laughs> same time, same place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have one last question uh, for you, uh, Brad, because we're we're pushing up against the uh, we're pushing up against the uh, the the limit of what the Heritage Radio will allow us to <laughs> record on. Uh, what changed? What changed after the '30s? Why, I'm sorry, what was the question? Why, why, or why, who, where? Uh, you say that that all of these cheeses were made using raw milk up until the 1930s. What changed after that? Oh well, I mean, what changed was industrialization. We had a, uh, we had uh, more people to feed, and uh, people were moving to cities, and so less and less people were were making. Were you know, we had dairy farms. Less and less people were making cheese, uh, you know, farmstead cheeses in their own backyard for their own consumption. So as people move to the cities, less people are making cheese, and and people. So you start seeing the the industrialization of cheese making. You see. Um, put the pooling of, of fluid milk for the cheesemaking process. You see it coming from several farms. You see it sitting around for, for an increasing amount of time. And, and these sorts of things lend themselves to pasteurization and certainly do not lend themselves to uh, the production of cheese with, with raw milk because raw milk needs to be super fresh. It needs to be super clean. Um, it, needs to, it needs to be turned into cheese really very rapidly in order to ensure the safety of the product. And so, I mean, it was in the 1930s. And, I mean, uh, raw milk, fluid raw milk, was, was starting to be pasteurized at the end of the 20th century, uh, end of the 19th century, so like the 1890s. But, um, but you start seeing it with raw milk cheese in, like, the 1930s. But, but yeah, a lot of it has to do is with just had to feed more people. And the only way to ensure on that kind of scale that uh, the cheese was going to be safe and healthy for you was, was by pasteurizing it. So what it sounds like to me is that you are not against pasteurization on some levels. You just don't want you know, them to pasteurize everything and take away all our good raw milk cheese. Would I be correct in saying that? That is exactly right, Greg. That is exactly right. Well, hell. I suppose I can agree with that as much as I don't want to. Um, no, seriously. Um, and I think it's important for people to know that there are no black and white issues here. Pasteurization came about for a reason. And uh, if you have a large cheese maker and you are in a large industrial cheese making facility and you are not, say, have a personal relationship with who gives you your milk, pasteurization is absolutely necessary for you. But there's no need to take away the farmer's ability to take the milk out of their own cows and make cheese, especially not someone like Marika, who has a cow massage program going on <laughs> that I learned about last week, where I wanted to go and get rehab, you know, at the freaking farm so I could get someone to just brush me down and, like, rub me for a little while. And help with your homework. And help with my homework. All of those things. <laughs> Well, that sounds great. I, I need help with everything. Um, my homework, <laughs> my rubbing, my massaging, everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say thank you to uh, to Brad and to Jeannie for coming on and taking time to be on us with the, on the show today with us. And and always, I like to thank Anne uh, to come in. The shows are always so much better when she's here, and uh, because she helps me. Uh, Sound like no way, no way, Greg. <laughs> You're the best. And uh, 
Thank you to our little producer, Emily Acosta, and uh, our wonderful engineer, Liz Smith, who is uh, – give me the thumbs up out there. So um, this Saturday coming up, get out your raw milk cheese on, grab a massive hunk of it. You know, look it up on the internet, find out who's participating, and go and stuff your face with raw milk cheese and learn some stuff. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. Amen, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Well, right on. And uh, I want to thank you guys again for coming on. And uh, stay tuned next week for another episode of Cutting the Curd. Take care. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.